heaven come down. Man, that is our prayer this weekend, that for whatever home or car or boat you might be in, that you would experience the power and presence of God, the Spirit of God. My name is Josh Walters. I'm one of the pastors here at the church. So glad that you are here with us this weekend. I want to give a special shout out to all the students, elementary, middle, high school, college for wrapping up. Just about everybody should be done at this point, wrapping up one of the craziest school years that we have ever experienced, right? Typically at this point, you are the only ones being high-fived and celebrated and congratulated. But this year, I want to give a special shout out to your math teacher, your English teacher, your science teacher, who also happened to be the cafeteria worker and your gym teacher, your mama and daddy, right? Do you know what I'm talking about? And this year, more so than ever, I have been so thankful that I've never been invited to be a contestant on Are You Smarter Than a Fifth Grader? Because now I have a testimony. No, I am not, right? I am not smarter than a fifth grader, but we got through it and we did it together. Well, hey, I've got a couple announcements for us as we get started this weekend. And the first of which is about the inside track. You know, if you're new here to Seacoast and maybe find yourself questioning, what does it look like for me to join a small group or serve? Or maybe you want to explore some of how God has gifted you and what it would look like for you to take your next step in using your gifts to help make a difference here at the church. The Inside Track is the best next step for you. Last month, we kicked off the digital Inside Track for the very first time. It was an awesome experience, had all of our campuses involved. Campus pastors were present there online, and we had nearly 85 people from every campus participate. And so if you're new and wanting to take a next step wherever you might be, you can do that by texting the word Inside Track to 320-320. Next week is the first week of the month, which means that it's also the first week of the Inside Track. So it's a great opportunity for you to take that step and get involved. The second announcement that I've got for you is one of a little more of a, of a personal nature. And uh, I guess I'll lead into it by saying it has been a fruitful quarantine at the Walters house. <laughs> and if you're wondering what kind of announcement I'm making, it's exactly that kind of announcement. Uh, I remember the first time that I met Katie, I knew that I was gonna spend the rest of my life with that girl. And so on one of our first dates, I had to put all the hard questions on the table. And I remember saying, so babe, how many kids do you want? And both of our mouths just fell in shock when we both said seven. Right, so at this point, we've got four boys and two girls, and we are 12 weeks along in, in our seventh pregnancy. And so make that announcement for you for, for two different reasons. One, uh, because I wanna invite you to, uh, to be praying for us, like Lord knows we need it. Katie always has just a really difficult first trimester. She's doing great, but man, she has been really sick. So please be praying with us and also just celebrating with us. We're just excited about what God's done. I wanted to make that announcement to kind of push our thinking in the direction that I want us to talk about this weekend. See, with this pregnancy, we're in this unique window where we've found out we're pregnant, but we still don't know if we're having a boy or a girl. And so one of the primary questions that we hear a lot is, what is it? Is it a boy or is it a girl? And, and we know that's what they're asking, but that's not the words they use, right? They say, what is it? And I want to be like, well, it's it's a pony, you know, or it's a puppy, you know, like we don't know if it's a boy or a girl, but we know it is definitely human, right? How many of you would agree with me that our words matter? The way that we phrase questions, the way that we say things actually mean something. And in the topic that we're going to be discussing today, if we're not careful, the words that we use 
shape the thoughts that we have and the beliefs that we hold and could ultimately impact the lives that we live. And it's the topic of the Holy Spirit. You know, the Holy Spirit is not an it. In fact, nowhere in this book is the Holy Spirit referenced as an it. Every single time it's talked about as a person. Yet you wouldn't believe the number of times I have conversations with people and they say things like, I just don't understand it. Like sometimes I feel it and sometimes I don't. When the truth is, is the Holy Spirit is not an it. It's a person sent by God for us to have a relationship with. And if we were to talk about God the Father, for the most part, we understand having a relationship with the Father. He's the creator. He created the heavens and the earth. He created man in his image. We know that he spoke with Moses face to face as one speaks with a friend. So even if I were to close my eyes and think about God the Father, I have no clue what his face looks like, but I can envision his face. I have no problem thinking about him as a person. When I think about Jesus, I know that God the Father so loved me, he so loved you, that he sent his son Jesus to die on the cross for your sin. The Bible tells us that he who knew no sin became sin so that we might become the righteousness of God. And those are big churchy words, but that word righteousness of God just means that because of what Jesus did, we might live in right standing with God. I understand that he paid the price for my sin. He is my savior. I can close my eyes and think about the face of this man, Jesus. I've seen hundreds of pictures, no clue if any of them actually look like him, but I can imagine, I can envision what he looks like. Well, if I were to close my eyes and think about the Holy Spirit, I just don't know what to envision, right? I think about Acts 2, and I know that he appeared to the disciples as a, a tongue of fire, came like a mighty rushing wind. I read about him at, at Jesus' baptism when he descended on Jesus like a dove. If I'm not careful with my words and my thoughts, I can put the Holy Spirit in an it category because I don't really see a face there. But in the truth of this word, the Holy Spirit is a person sent here by God to empower us, for us to have a relationship with. And if you can say that God the Father is your God or that Jesus is your God, but when you go to say the Holy Spirit is my God, if there's a check in you there or a struggle to process, then there might be a problem. And that's what I want us to talk about this weekend. You know, what's unique to, to this weekend is that it's Pentecost weekend. This marks the day where we celebrate the giving of the Holy Spirit to the disciples. Last week, Pastor Josh Surratt talked with us about how to win while we wait. We kicked off this new series called Reentry, where we're talking about some of the attitudes and actions to prepare us as the people of God as we prepare to enter into a new normal. Man, there has never been a time like this in our age that we have experienced as a church. If there has ever been a time where we need the power of the Holy Spirit, we need this counselor, this comforter, this friend walking with us, it is right now. But as you think about the Holy Spirit, you know, there's a lot that goes in to shaping our understanding of who he is and what his role is in our lives. I grew up in a, in a Southern Baptist church, a large church with an amazing Bible teacher, but in part because of that leader and the denomination, the book of Acts that we're looking at today was referred to as the book of one-time occurrences that the miracles that we read about in this book, the speaking in tongues, the healings, all of the, the supernatural that we read about in the book of Acts was evidence that the Holy Spirit has been poured out. They weren't normative behaviors. They weren't things that we should expect to experience. 
And, and that reminded me of when I was eight or nine years old, my grandparents attended a Pentecostal holiness church. And every now and then on holidays, we would go see granny and papa and we would go to their church. And I remember being a young boy sitting in my pew when out of nowhere, this man stood up behind me with this thundering voice. He was speaking in tongues, Alibaba Gaga, you know, like just this loud thundering noise. And I remember sliding out of my pew and looking up behind me right in terror, like what in the world is this? Someone else stood up across the room and began interpreting what he was saying. And I was so thankful to get out of there alive, right? And so as a middle schooler, when I heard and learned that the book of Acts was the book of one-time occurrences, it gave some context to that fear I felt as a child. I thought, you know what, that, that must be true. And we joke about Seacoast being the largest Catholic church in town. You know, Maybe you grew up Catholic. Maybe you grew up Baptist like me. Maybe you're brand new here to church and you don't have any prior context for, for faith or, or scripture. But man, the good news for us today is that the Holy Spirit is not an it. It's not a mystery for us to be afraid of. It is the third person of the Godhead, of the Trinity, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the fulfillment of the promise that God will never leave us nor forsake us. How does he accomplish that? Through the Holy Spirit. The Bible says that he is our counselor. Have you ever been in a season where you needed counsel? Man, now more than ever. When do I go outside? Where do I go? What do I do? You lean on the counselor. He's the fulfillment of the, of the promise. He's our comforter. Have you ever been through a season of grief? Man, now more than ever, we've been grieving as a church. How does God draw close to the brokenhearted? Through the promise of the Holy Spirit. The Bible tells us there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. Jesus said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. How does he fulfill that promise? Through the gift of the Holy Spirit, the person of the Holy Spirit. He has come to empower us. And today, regardless of your faith background, your denominational background, what comes to mind when you close your eyes and think of the Holy Spirit, my prayer is that you would have a personal encounter with Him that would forever change your life, that you would take a step towards Him and that consequently He would empower you to become the person and do the things that God has called you to. In the same way that Jesus came to, to seek and save the lost, the Holy Spirit has come to empower believers that we might do the things that Jesus did. So what did he empower us to do? Three things that I want us to, to look at today. The first of which is that he empowers us to believe. He empowers us to believe. I wanna set the scene for you on this day of Pentecost. And I'll start just by reading the story of what happened. It's found in Acts chapter two, and this is what it says. When the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place. And suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. And divided tongues as of fire appeared to them and rested on each one of them. And they were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Now there were dwelling in Jerusalem Jews, devout men from every nation under heaven. And at this, and at this sound, the multitude came together and they were bewildered because each one was hearing them speak in his own language. And they were amazed and astonished, saying, Are not all these men who are speaking Galileans? And now is it that we hear each of us in our own native language? 
Perithians and Medes, Elamites and res residents of Mesopotamia, Judea and Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Ferga and Pamphylia, Egypt and parts of Libya belonging to the Cyrene and visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes, Cretans and Arabians. We hear them telling in our own tongues the mighty works of God. And all were amazed and perplexed that Walters was able to read through that list of nations. You know, no, that's not what it says. I am though. All were amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, what does this mean? But others were mocking and saying they've had too much wine, right? So on this day, the spirit of God is poured out. And all of these people who just 50 some odd days before, who were screaming, crucify him, the very people that had handed him over to be killed, are now witnessing what is happening. The spirit of God is being poured out and people are questioning, what does this mean? What is going on here now that we all understand him? And it's at this point that Peter gets up to present a simple gospel message and it empowers the people to believe. He doesn't explain it, he just shares it. The same Jesus whom you handed over to be killed, who was crucified, was raised from the dead and is now seated at the right hand of God. God has made him both Lord and Savior. And upon hearing this in Acts 2, 37 through 41, this was the people's response. When the people heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the other apostles, brothers, what shall we do? Peter replied, repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise is for you and for your children and all who are far off, for all whom the Lord our God will, will call. Goes on in verse 41, those who accepted his message were baptized and about 3,000 were added to their number that day. 3,000 added to their number that day. Man, the Spirit of God had empowered them to believe. John 16, eight and nine says it this way. When he, the Holy Spirit comes, he will convict the world in regard to sin because they do not believe in me. See, oftentimes with things that we don't understand, we can become afraid of them, fearful of them. We can label them. And when it comes to the Holy Spirit, because we can't quite see a face, can't quite comprehend it, it's easy for us to think, especially when it talks about the Spirit has come to convict the world, that the Spirit has come to say, you're bad, God's mad, and He's going to get you, you know? And that's kind of scary to me. But nothing could be farther from the truth. God sent the Spirit of God to empower us to believe, to convict us of the sin in our life so that we would know that we need a Savior, if we don't see our sin, if we don't realize that we've been separated from God, we're not gonna be able to acknowledge the fact that I need to be saved. He sent the Spirit. If you sense Him convicting you today, if you sense an openness in you to believe, man, take that step. It is not by chance. It's not the power of my voice. It wasn't how powerful the worship was. It is the third person of the Trinity, the Spirit of God empowering you to take a step to believe. I've talked with so many people on the weekend here at Seacoast that have been out of church for decades or far from God for a long time that take a step through these doors because they're at some kind of crossroads in life, some kind of pain. And as our worship team begins to lead, tears start to stream down their face and they'll come up to me after a service to say, man, I just felt, I felt something in this service. And I say, you didn't feel something, you felt someone. 
That was the power of the Holy Spirit inviting you into a relationship with him. He's empowering you to believe. What might the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit, be inviting you to believe this weekend? For many of you, I'm praying and believing that is to enter into a relationship with God through Christ. There's an openness in you today. And in the same way, those men asked Peter, what do we do with this? His response was to repent and be baptized, to turn from your sin, decide that you're gonna live another way and then make that personal decision public, go public with it. Maybe today on the chat, your next step is gonna be, I'm making a decision. It's gonna be letting people know. It's gonna be clicking that button saying, I've made a decision to follow Christ. Maybe for others today, he's empowering you to believe in his word. Maybe this has been a tough season financially for you. You've been furloughed or laid off. You're having a hard time making ends meet. Well, I've got news for you, good news, that that your boss is not your provider. Your paycheck is not your provider. The Bible tells us that, that God himself, he is our provider. And maybe today the spirit is empowering you to believe, to trust him. Maybe when it comes to the tithe and you're giving financially, it's the only area in Malachi where he says, test me in this and see if I won't throw open the floodgates of heaven. You have so much blessing that you don't have store for it. But it's the first 10%. And as you're looking at the number of days left in the month and the amount of paycheck before the bills, it's like, man, that just doesn't seem wise. And faith is gonna rise up in you today that you can believe God, that you can trust him at his word. This is something that Katie and I had to do as we started talking about having number seven. We've had six kids for three years now. We haven't lost any of them, still had six, but uh, seven had been our number. And as we were praying into seven, if I'm gonna be honest, there was a lot of fear in me. Six had been a hard pregnancy for Katie. Uh, I was feeling the weight of six. I heard this comedian a couple years back say, people ask me all the time, what's it like having six kids? And he said, it's like you're drowning and somebody throws you a baby. (laughs) And I was like, amen, that is the truth. So why are we talking about number seven, right? And I knew it was what God had called me to. Well, at the beginning of the year, a girl that had discipled Katie in college, her name's Natalie. um, She is Anna Jay, our firstborn's God God mom. And she called us and she said, hey, I think I've got a word for you. I was praying for y'all. She's prayed for Anna Jay every single day of her life, which is just something that I love. So, so respect and, and love her, thankful for her voice in our life. And so she called the beginning of this year, said, hey, while I was praying for y'all, I feel like God said that you've got as much fear for number seven as you did for number one. And you need to know. <laughs> this is great news. It just, uh, it brings about some emotion in me because it was a place that I had to allow the spirit to empower me to believe, right? So she said, you need to know that uh, you might have as much fear about number seven as you did as number one, but God's called me to pray just as hard for this one as he did for Anna Jay. And you need to know that he's gonna provide for you, right? So in all the ways I question, you know, do we have, do we have the capacity, right? We drive a 12 passenger van, so I know we got a seat in the car, right? But do I have the capacity to love? Do I have the patience? Are we gonna have the provision Like, God, can we get through one more delivery and raising of one more child? 18 more years, you know what I'm talking about? So we just had to come to a place of faith and allow the spirit to empower us to believe, to trust God at his word and take that step. What step is God calling you to take today? 
The Spirit of God, this third person of the Trinity is empowering you to believe, to take a step of faith into a relationship with Him or into any other practical areas of your life where you can trust Him at His Word. So number one, the Spirit empowers us to believe. Number two, the Spirit empowers us to change. He empowers us to change. Now, this day of Pentecost was amazing. Peter stands up, he presents this simple gospel message. And I wanna read you what he said in Acts 2, 14. It says, then Peter stood up with the 11. He raised his voice and addressed the crowd. Fellow Jews and all of you who live in Jerusalem, let me explain this to you. Listen carefully to what I say, all right? We know at the end of this text that 3,000 were added to their number that day. He didn't have a PA system. He didn't have a mic. He didn't have any spirit keys. He didn't ask the band to tone it down. You know, he didn't have a slide that said, let me get your attention. He's 3,000 people. He's boldly, confidently standing up in front of all of them saying, fellow Jews, let, let me get your attention. Listen carefully to what I say. Man, you talk about a faith-filled, bold, courageous guy that bore much fruit that day. 3,000 added to their number. What an amazing day. But the day that I want to take you back to is roughly 54 days before. We know that the disciples had been in this room praying for 10 days. Jesus had told them, as Josh taught us last week, don't leave until you receive this promised gift of my father. One of my favorite texts that speak to that is he said, don't leave until you have been clothed with power from on high. They had been waiting for 10 days. We know that Jesus, after his resurrection, had spent 40 days with them that three days before that, he was died, crucified, and buried. And so the day before that, when he was arrested, roughly 54 days, he was arrested. And as they were taking him off, Peter was following along. And in Luke 22, 54 through 57, this is what it says. Then they seized him, talking about Jesus, and led him away, bringing him into the high priest's house. And Peter was following at a distance. And when they had kindled a fire in the middle of the courtyard and sat down together, Peter sat down among them. Then a servant girl, seeing him as he sat in the light and looking closely at him, said, this man was also with him. But Peter denied it, saying, woman, I don't know him. <laughs> you know, I don't, I don't know that guy. This would be the first of three times where Peter would deny Jesus. So my question is, what happened between Acts, Luke 22, when Peter was fearful, and Acts chapter 2, when he was faith-filled? It was not a book that he read. He didn't swing by the bookstore. He didn't get on Audible and pick up how to operate in the gifts of the Spirit. Uh, he, didn't, he didn't read how to communicate for a change, right? It wasn't a book that he read. It wasn't a process that he walked through. He didn't start communicating in smaller environments and then mid-sized environments. Now he's in front of thousands and he had a sense of confidence in his communication. That wasn't in it. It wasn't a program that he walked through on how to be a successful communicator. It was a person that he encountered. The Spirit of God, the third person of the Trinity empowered him to change. He went from a man that was fearful, that was scared to speak up and associate himself with Jesus to one who could stand boldly and confidently to proclaim the good news about Jesus. Only the Spirit of God, only the third person of the Trinity, the Holy Spirit could empower that kind of change in his life. I mean, think about the man that Peter was before. 
When Jesus was arrested, this is the guy that pulls out his sword and chops the guard's ear off. And the moment where Jesus' mission, like why he had came, he was about to step into, then he's still cleaning up Peter's mess. Like, dog it, Peter, I've got to put this ear back on, you know, heal this guy. He was just an impulsive guy. When they were fishing and Jesus appeared on the shore, John couldn't even get the words out of his mouth that it is Jesus. Peter's jumped out of the boat leaving the rest of the disciples to pull in the fish, clean them, do all the stuff, right? Peter swimming to the shore to get to Jesus. He was this impulsive guy. But man, after Acts 2, we see he is a surrendered man. He is controlled by the Spirit. He has fully surrendered his life. How did God bring about that change in him? It was because the Spirit of God had empowered him. What kind of change might God be wanting to bring about in your life? Man, I have no problem with with books. I read tons of books. I listen to a lot of audio books to help me grow and improve as a husband, as a father, as a leader, as a pastor. I have no problem with, with processes and programs, but what if they aren't the best starting point? What if God is inviting you by the power of his Holy Spirit, the third person of the Trinity? What if he, this person, is wanting to bring about change in your life? Do you have issues with your temper? You know, you've, you've tried to be patient all day long with coworkers and at the office, and then you get home and you kind of just let loose and you realize that your fuse is short. And so you take it out on your spouse, you take it out on your kids and you've tried to manage it yourself. You've tried to change. You're better for a couple weeks, then you're right back at it. Is it a substance abuse? You find yourself drinking too much. Man, I hear during this quarantine that that alcohol sales and the struggle with alcoholism has increased significantly? Is it a substance abuse? Is it spending habits? Maybe each year you say, I'm gonna get my budget right this year. I'm gonna try to change. And the only problem in each of those situations is that you bring you with you, <laughs> you know? That you're the issue. Maybe there's some destructive behaviors in relationships and you've tried to change them. You used to blame them on other people, but now you're realizing the common denominator is you, right? And what if this weekend, by the power of the Holy Spirit, He is wanting to bring about change in your life? That for areas maybe before that you've operated in fear, man, as a culture, I go to the grocery store now and I can see fear on people's, on people's faces. Now more than ever, people are so fearful. Anxiety is almost tangible. What if He wants to bring about change in us that we're still gonna operate in wisdom, we're gonna be wise, but we're gonna be fearless we're gonna be faith-filled because this third person of the Trinity, the promised Holy Spirit, we have had an encounter with a person and he's brought about change in our lives as well. So he empowers us to believe. He empowers us to change. And number three, he empowers us to share. He empowers us to share. There's 27 books in the New Testament, each of which point in some way to Jesus. Talk about him as our savior, his life and ministry, why God the Father sent him to save us from our sin. And here in 13 verses in Acts chapter two, speak to the coming of the Holy Spirit. And then immediately we see the mission of the Holy Spirit, why he came. He began to empower the disciples to share the good news. It was for other people. And I want you to listen to some of Peter's language in Acts chapter two. In verse 14, he says, let me explain this to you. Listen carefully to what I say. In verse 22, listen to this. In verse 29, I can tell you confidently. In verse 36, let all Israel be assured of this. 
In Acts 2.40, he warned them and pleaded with them with many other words. What I envision to some degree is me at the dinner table with our kids. You know, we're talking and having fun, but anytime I need to say something, anytime I need them to hear me, over and over, I find myself saying, hey, look right here, listen to me, listen carefully, carry this stuff upstairs, put this in the dirty clothes and this in your closet. Did you hear what I said, you know? Over and over again, we hear Peter with strong language, pleading with them, listen carefully to what I'm saying to you. Why? Because this good news, this day of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit was given to the disciples, but it was for everyone, right? It was for the faithful and obedient that had been waiting. Those were the disciples. It was for the skeptics and the haters, the people in the crowd that said, ah, those guys have had too much wine. This is, this is ridiculous, right? It was for the bystanders and the onlookers, the crowds, the thousands that were around bewildered, asking, man, what is this? What is happening? It was for the marginalized and the overlooked. The promised gift of the Holy Spirit was a promise for all. I love what he says there in verse 239. This promise is for you and your children and all who are far off, for all whom the Lord God will call. You know, it didn't mention Chris Rabin. It didn't mention Caroline or Lance. But in that phrase, all who are far off, that encompassed each and every one of us. Hundreds of years, thousands of generations later, this third person of the Trinity would place me before you today, not by the power of my words, but by the power of his spirit in your home, in your car, wherever you might be today, that I could share this message of hope with you, that there is a God who so loves you, that he sent his son to die on the cross for your sin, that he's empowering you to believe today in the same way that he's empowered me to share. I remember about 20 years ago when I first started in ministry. I was a, a youth pastor and uh, we took our, our children, uh, our students on a retreat, much like Rock the Summer that we've got for students here at, uh, at Seacoast this summer. And I was just fired up getting away with students, believing that God was gonna show up in a powerful way. There was a bunch of other churches from around the, the country who were there. And I remember at the end of, of one of the sessions, we're wrapping up. God had moved in a powerful way. We're about to split up with our youth group and the youth pastor and several other staff. We're going to have students in small groups. And as we were dismissing that night, I locked eyes with this kid across the room. And I just knew that I was supposed to go and make sure that, that he heard this invitation from God tonight. The speaker had presented it, but it was as if I had heard God say, that is for him. You know, I'm inviting him. He's going to make a decision. And so I'm working at this church, but I, I walk across the room, leaving the, the group that I was paid to care for and shepherd you know, to, to go to this kid. And I sit down with him, confident that God has a word for him. And so we talk through it. Tears start to roll down his face. He had heard of God. He knew about the story, but he did not have a relationship. And that night he entered into a relationship with God. I was so fired up. I think it's the first person that I ever got to pray with to receive Christ. And I want to tell you something, man. The Spirit empower you to believe. That's encouraging and awesome. You allow the Spirit to empower you to change, to bring about freedom in your life. It's incredible. But you allow the Spirit to empower you to share that good news and see someone else receive it for themselves. Man, there is nothing as sweet. Well, about two weeks later, uh, I got home and I got this, this card in the mail. And I've had this card for 20 years. And uh, that, uh, that boy Chase sent me a picture of himself. 
I got a feeling that uh, his mom actually had him send the card, right? No 12-year-old sends you a picture of themselves. And Chase wrote in it, hey, thank you for the shirt and the talk. Um, that was it. That's like classic 12, 12-year-old language, right? <laughs> Good talk. Thanks, right? After he accepted Christ, I was so fired up. I couldn't go baptize him somewhere. So I was like, we got to do something. Let's, let's go buy you a t-shirt. <laughs> and so I got, him a, I got him a shirt, right? Let's commemorate the moment, right? But his mom wrote in the card, we are so grateful that you took time to share Jesus with Chase. You're a blessing. Chase is making plans to be baptized. And I've kept this card for 20 years just as a reminder for me, I remember that moment when I sensed God inviting me to go sit down with this kid and have a conversation with him, that in that moment, he made a decision. And now 18, 20 years later, that 12-year-old boy is a 30, 32-year-old man who may have children of his own and his eternity is secure because of a decision that he made that day. In the same way that Peter said, repent and be baptized, he turned to Jesus. He was empowered by the Holy Spirit to believe in the same way the Spirit had empowered me to share and it forever changed his life. See, in the moments that you respond to that leading, when the Spirit empowers you to share, you may not only be used by God to author change, to see him empower change, life change in someone else's life, but you become part of a much bigger story. What I know because of this card is that there was a mom in St. Louis, Missouri, praying for her son, that one day he would enter into a relationship with God through Christ, that years had gone by and his life intersected with mine and God used me to bring about change in him. Who might God be desiring to empower you to share with this weekend? Is it some loved ones in your family? Is it, is it neighbors or coworkers? There are people in your sphere of influence that you rub shoulders with and befriend each and every day, each and every week that I may never week and that I may never meet. Second Corinthians 5.20 says, we therefore are Christ's ambassadors as though God were making his appeal through us. And in the same way he empowered you to believe. In the same way he's empowered you to bring about change for the spirit to bring about change in your life. He's empowering you to share this good news, not to explain it, not to over-preach it, but just to present it and allow this third person of the Trinity to work and bring about change in the lives of others. Let's pray. God, we thank you so much for this Pentecost weekend. And we celebrate the giving of your spirit, not only to the disciples, but to each of us. And I pray that wherever we might be this weekend, that if your spirit's empowering us to believe that we would take that step in faith, into a relationship with you or into any other practical area that you're calling us to believe and trust you. If your spirit's empowering us to change, if you wanna bring about transformation in our lives, help us to break some chains of addiction, help us to shake off some old habits, God. May your spirit empower us to be the people that you created us to be. If your spirit's empowering us to share, God, if there's people you would have me call today in the same way that Natalie called Katie and I to say, hey, you can believe again. God did this when you were young and he's gonna do it again. If you're calling us to, empowering us to call others that faith might rise up in them, would you give us the boldness to share that we might see your spirit, this person of the Trinity of the Father, Son, and Spirit move mightily in people's lives. Be with us this weekend as we respond in Jesus' name, amen. So this is my favorite part of every service. It's where we set aside a few moments for you to process and ask God two questions. What are you saying to me? And what am I going to do about it? 
And as I talked about earlier, I'm believing today that for many of you, he's empowering you to believe. Whether it's like Chase and you're believing for the very first time, you still have questions, there's stuff that you don't understand, but today you sense his spirit empowering you to set your questions aside, to encounter the person of the Holy Spirit. Man, I pray that you would click the button, I've made a decision. You could text the word CONNECT to 32320 so that we can reach out and celebrate that decision with you. I would invite you to go public with it. Put it in the chat. Let us know that you've made a decision so that we can celebrate that with you. If it's something practical, an invitation for you to believe Him again, man, I wanna invite you to share that with somebody. Take a step of faith that you might believe that hope and faith would rise up in you. For others today, maybe the Spirit's empowering you to change. There's some things that you've done your best to bring about change, but it's just not working. And today you're gonna surrender to the Spirit of God, empowering, working in your life, the Holy Spirit, that He's gonna author change in your life. Maybe you wanna take some time to just declare that. You could write it out in a journal. You could be intentional when this service ends about texting a friend. You could put it in the chat there and just share, hey, I've been struggling with this. Will somebody pray for me? I wanna believe that the Spirit can empower me to change, that He could author that change this weekend. Or for others, maybe he's, he's empowering you to share. And you're terrified, right? Because you've got as many questions as they probably do. You don't know what to say, but maybe your next step is gonna be much like mine was with Chase. Terrified and in obedience, you're gonna make a call. You're gonna walk across the street. You're gonna start a conversation just to share about the work that God has done in your life and what you believe He desires to do in theirs. After we've had some time to respond, you can receive communion there at the house with whatever, whatever kind of bread or juice you might have. I wanna invite you to sing and celebrate an awesome God who so loves you that He poured His Spirit out to fulfill the promise that He would never leave you or forsake you. Wherever you are today, may you experience and encounter Him. Let's respond together.